You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family loved and served by God, compelled to love and serve each other and Austin with God. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. Hey, well, good morning, Midtown. If that song didn't get your attention, I guess I'll just have to interrupt. Hey, happy Memorial Day weekend. And happy graduation weekend for many of you as well. Uh, we are going to continue our series, as you saw there, called Follow. But before we do, I wanted to kind of recognize uh, a few people. So, a couple family announcements. First is just to recognize all of our graduates. So there's many that are here that I can tell it looks like you're with your families and stuff. So graduates, could you stand up? Give them a hand. That's cool. Really excited for you guys. Sad to see some of you leave Austin. Happy that some of you are staying in Austin. Um, but we're really glad for you and hope that you had a great time with your families this weekend. And, and I'm glad that your families are here. So I hope you have a great morning this morning with us. And then in particular, I wanted to honor uh, one, one couple. So uh, someone has been serving, a couple's been serving uh, quite significantly in our church for more than eight years now. And so can the Yinches, could you guys come forward? Alex and Claire. Come on, we have, a little, we have a little gift for you. Alex and Claire have, have served our church for more than eight years, really been involved in everything that they've done. Alex is like the utility player, can play every instrument, been in the worship team since it started, uh, since he joined the church. Uh, they've led MCs, they've led huddles, and they've served at the highest level of leadership, Alex being one of our elders and Claire being on our women's leadership team. And so in particular, just wanted to honor them. This is their last Sunday before they moved to Long Island. Yep, so did I do it right? These, these guys could tell me maybe I, that was off, but... Uh, we want to thank them, so let's give them a hand, and we got a little gift for you as well. So, thanks, guys. Yeah. I'm going to promise to keep up the pun game as best as I can to, to help with Alex's absence, um, and our staff team and the, the music team already said they're going to try to keep the puns going too, so we can't compare, um, but we really are grateful uh, for you guys. And... Uh, one more family announcement that I wanted to make was that uh, tomorrow's Memorial Day, so we all, most of us have the day off, which that's exciting, and want to invite you that our last Play in May event, we're actually going to go to Emmalong Park together and have a picnic, so make your own food, maybe bring some extra to share, and we're going to have a good time just hanging out at Emmalong Park. I'm going to try to, I'm going to be, Brenda and I are going to get there early, and I'm going to try to get one of those Midtown flags that are outside and just have a flag out there, so when you kind of try to find us, just look for the flag, if I'm allowed to put it up, if not, just keep searching, it'll, it'll be a fun time together, I um, hope that you guys would make time to do that. So let's jump into the message, and let me start by just asking you a question. Have you ever listened to a sermon or read a book or just heard a story about someone's incredible things that they've done for Jesus? Uh, maybe it was like a total sacrifice or their amazing miracles that they saw, or maybe it's an enormous spiritual impact that they had or their, their real sense of like complete surrender. And you heard their story, and, and maybe you're filled with a little guilt. Have you ever had that feeling? Maybe feeling like you're inadequate, or maybe you haven't lived up to the same degree uh, the way that they're following. I know I've certainly felt that way when I've heard stories. I, I remember I always used to kind of get nervous at the churches that I was growing up. I was a part of, particularly like on Mission Sunday, because you're going to have these missionaries come and talk about how they've left everything, and they're serving God overseas in different places. And I used to kind of get anxious, like, oh, no, I'm going to realize that I'm not really following Jesus to the degree that I want to. Um, or sometimes it would be... Um, like reading a book. I don't know if you guys have read Radical by David Platt or Crazy Love by Francis Chan, 
very godly people, very ex- excellent books, but you read it. And I know myself, when I was reading those two books, I was just like super convicted, but also like just trying to figure out like, how do I parse out? Is this something I'm supposed to do? Or is this just their calling? And it created kind of this angst in me. And sometimes it was guilt, but sometimes actually more often for me, it's not necessarily guilt, but I would hear about someone's like complete surrender and the way that they're following Jesus. And it'd actually be inspired. Like I wouldn't necessarily feel guilty. I'd be like, I want to follow Jesus like they do. Like I'd be really inspired, but I might be left with like a question of like, but how do I, how do I get there? Like, like how, what steps do I need to take to get there? Because you can't just do that overnight. And I think that sometimes there's like this sense of either it's been taught or it's just something that we think that like there's kind of an all or nothing, like one-time decision where we, we follow Jesus and then that, that's it. Like we just made our decision, we followed him. And maybe we think that maybe we haven't made that choice or we haven't gone all in, so to speak. But I'd like to kind of argue today that I think that there probably are some like real defining moments in our life where we feel like we do take a really significant step and there's a sense of all in. But I think the majority of our Christian life as we grow in our faith is really just, just daily small decisions that we make. And what I want to talk about today is just how following really is just taking the very next step of faith. And we can be inspired by where someone is spiritually and, and their story, but hearing from God about what he's calling us to do individually and how we can take step by step by step, the next steps of faith that move us to live more fully surrendered to him. And that's what we're going to find in the life of Peter. So we're going to look at Peter's kind of call when Jesus called Peter to follow him. Um, and it's really cool that we have actually this recorded in multiple books of the, of the Bible. So, you know, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are the accounts that the disciples gave of their time with Jesus. And one of the things that's unique is that they all write a little bit differently. And so Mark is actually one of these writers that writes really fast. Like he just moved from scene to scene to scene to scene to scene. And real fast and doesn't give a lot of detail. So here's what you might read if you were reading in Mark. This is how he describes the call of Peter. He says, As he was going along by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net at the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I'll make you become fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Like you think, like, oh man, that's radical. Like he just they never met him before. He just said, Follow me. And they're like, Okay, yeah, let's leave everything. Well, Thankfully, we have Luke, because Luke actually gives us a little bit more background on what happened, so you don't have to compare yourself to that, like hear Jesus' voice just saying, follow me, and you're like, yes, I'll leave everything. But what you're going to see is even with these guys, that they spent time with Jesus, and they took instrumental steps, incremental steps, to where they actually became, where they would leave their fishing business. And that's maybe not something God called everyone to do, but for them it was, but it started by them listening to Jesus, applying some of the things that he put in their life, and taking step by step. So that's what we'll look at today. And one of the things I'm really hopeful for in this message is that, that Jesus and the Holy Spirit would speak to you personally. Because what I really want, and we're gonna hear, you're going to kind of hear this played out, is that Jesus still speaks. And he's probably speaking to you and challenging you to take your next step. And so there's not going to be like an overall application that I say, hey, here's what we need to do. Here's what it looks like for all of us to follow Jesus. But what I'm going to try to say is that Jesus is still speaking. And what it looks like for you to follow Jesus is do the next thing that he's calling you to do. And so with that, I'm hoping that you will be attentive to what God's speaking to you, because I hope that it's different for all of you, and you'll walk out today with a very strong conviction to obey what Jesus is calling you to do. So to that end, let me pray for that. Let's pray. Uh, God, you're the one that we need to speak today, not me, so I just invite you to speak to each person here individually. Even as we look at this passage and the next steps of faith of obedience that, that Peter made, uh, speak to each person and Tell them what their next steps are of obedience for them today, even this week. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So we're going to look at Luke's account. So we'll be in Luke chapter 5. Let me take a swig here, and then we'll, we'll look at verses 1 through 3. Luke 5, 1 through 3. On, the day, uh, on one day, Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is actually, you'll see, you have like a little footnote in your Bible that says this is really just the Sea of Galilee, just a different name. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He, sat at the water, uh, he saw at the water's edge there were two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one that belonged to Simon, and asked if he could put out a little from the shore. And he sat and taught the people from the boat. So here's how we know about a little bit more of the background here, right? So it wasn't that, that kind of Mark described where Jesus walked up and talked to Peter and said, follow me, and they left everything. Like here you've got a scene where they're actually sitting and learning and teaching. But they had just come in from their fishing. They're still sitting there before Jesus, listening to his teaching. In fact, if you were to go back in the, the previous chapter, that was when Jesus actually started his ministry. And you see that Peter and Andrew and James and John were actually a part of it then. So we don't know for how long, but they had been under his teaching for some time. In the previous chapter, in chapter 4, it says that Jesus uh, was baptized and he went off to the desert for 40 days to pray. And then he started his ministry by actually going into synagogues. It said he went to many synagogues within Galilee and teaching. And he started to get a following. Like people were amazed at his teaching. And they said, man, we want to follow this guy. And so at this point, and this is really important to see, at this point, Peter and, and all the people around him actually are just seeing Jesus as a rabbi. At that time, it was popular for there to be rabbis or teachers, and others would follow them and become their disciples or followers and, and sit under them and under their teaching. And so when Jesus starts his teaching ministry, a lot of people, including Peter, start to follow and listen to Jesus. In fact, if you were back in the previous chapter in chapter 4, one of the things that Jesus does, he does all this stuff in Galilee where he starts getting these crowds, but then he goes to Nazareth, his hometown, and he starts to do the same thing. He teaches in that synagogue, but in that synagogue, there's lots of doubt. People aren't so amazed because they kept asking the question. It says, isn't this Joseph's son? Because like in his hometown, they were like, no, this is Jesus that we saw grow up. This is like the carpenter's son. How is it that he has all this teaching? And so it said that Jesus wasn't welcomed even in his hometown, largely because people were asking the question, like, who is this guy? Like, isn't this Joseph's son? I say all that to say at the point where Peter is actually following right now, where Peter and these others are listening to Jesus, sitting by the water, at this point, they're not sure who he is. They've not named him Lord. They've not identified him as Messiah. They do look at him like a rabbi, a teacher, and you're going to see that in some of the things that Peter actually says. We know that Peter had been following Jesus for some time up to the point that we get this call. Other thing we know from this passage was it's the morning, so it says that you'll see later, it says that they were fishing all night, so in those days they would go fishing at night, particularly with nets because the water was cooler, and so the, the fish would then come up to, uh, to the top and they could drag them with nets, right? So they're fishing, and this kind of like multitasking, it looks like uh, Peter is actually washing his nets, like the day is over, they've done their fishing, they're cleaning things up, booking it up for the night, and then they set out and they listen to Jesus while they're there on the shore. And he gets into G uh, Peter's boat and he teaches them. And that's what you'll see in verse 4 as we continue in the passage. When they had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out in deep water, let the nets down for a catch. Simon answered, Simon's another name for Peter. So Peter answered, Master, we've worked all night and haven't caught anything. Because you say, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. I love this. It's like you can say that you've had this whole like, night of work and they're like ready to call it quits. And then and Peter's just asked by Jesus, hey, let, let's go fishing now. I'm done with the teaching. Let's go out there and catch some. And you can kind of feel it a little bit. I, I can't, you don't know exactly what's in Peter's heart, but I get the sense that he's kind of like, hey, Mr. Carpenter, um, we'll, we'll do the fishing part, okay? Like, we've been doing it all night. Or I was thinking about my, that commercial that I loved this last year during football season, the AT&T uh, tattoo guy, stay in your lane, bro. 
Like, that, they're like, they're like Peter's kind of like, dude, Jesus, stay in your lane, bro. Like, we've been fishing all night. We've caught nothing. But don't you love his response? This, this gives us a little indication of how Peter respected Jesus. He thought, he thought at this point that he was a rabbi. He was a good teacher. He was amazed at his teaching. He was willing to follow him to the degree that he'd say, but because you say so, I'll put out the nets. Just because you say so, I'll go ahead and do it. And there's two things in particular that I really love about this passage. Is that it's, uh, first is that he calls him master. So you get a sense here that he's not calling Jesus Lord. He's going to talk about Jesus very differently later in his life. But here at this part, he's just saying master, which is really like the equivalent of teacher or rabbi. He's calling him just a master. I think that's really important for us for several reasons. One is, this is really important, is you don't have to have Jesus 100% figured out to obey him. Sometimes I think we get caught up thinking like, we've got to have Jesus all figured out so we know exactly what we believe and exactly where we are, and then I'm willing to follow him. But you don't see that in the lives of the disciples. You see this progression of them knowing Jesus more and coming to deeper understanding and deeper revelation of who he is. And the same is true of us in our spiritual lives. I, I very much believe that when they set out to go fishing, that Peter was doubting. Like, because you say so, I'll do it. But this ain't going to work, man. <laughs> like, there he was in his doubts, but willing to do what Jesus said. And I think that should be a, some encouragement to us, right? That where we're at in our faith and what we currently believe about Jesus, Jesus has more to reveal but it doesn't mean that we can't take some steps of faith to obey him where he is right now, to the level of faith that we have in him right now. And even we can step out in the boat, so to speak, and be doubting while we're obeying and doing what he says. I find that encouraging. I think I'd like to speak specifically to some of you who maybe aren't yet following Jesus. I know that there's some of you here who've been investigating the faith for some time. And first, I want to say that I really commend your your willingness to do so and even to come to a church like this and be a part of what might even feel like a very foreign culture, like that's very brave to do that. And if you're thinking, though, that, that you have to like figure Jesus out completely before you follow him, I just want to say you don't because Jesus is inexhaustible. You're never going to know all of him to start with. But then secondly, like you can be like Peter and just take the very next step of the things that you feel like Jesus is revealing to you about himself. And for those of us who do follow Jesus, I want to say the same thing, like continue to take the next steps. There's so much more that he wants to reveal to you, so much more about who he is. And so we just take the next step in our faith. The second thing that I love about this little part of the passage here is I think this really gives us a great picture of what it looks like to follow Jesus. This whole series, Follow, we're looking at these examples of like, what does it look like for people really to follow Jesus in a very simple way? I love this. It's simply hearing Jesus' voice for you, what Jesus is calling you to do, and be willing to take that next step of obedience. It's really doing something very small, right? Like this is different from like leaving your boats and leaving your business and following Jesus. This was like, hey, Peter, let's, let's go for a fish. Okay, <laughs> because you say so. But what happens? You're going to see something incredible happens. And it happens because Peter was willing to trust Jesus with a small thing, and a small thing becomes a big thing. And when you trust Jesus with small things and he does big things, what happens is then your faith grows and you know more of him, which means you're more ready to trust him with something else small which grows your faith more and more, and so it goes. Like, this is the way that we grow in our faith. Very simply, following is listening to what Jesus is saying and taking the next step, like Peter did, saying yes to getting on a boat. Well, let's see what happened, because he was willing to do it. What is actually going to happen? In verse 6, you see something cool. It says, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled their boats so full that they began to sink. 
This little step of faith turned into something big, right? Like a little step of obedience where he just says, because you say so, I'll do it. I'm here to tell you that that's the joy of, of obeying God. When Jesus puts something in your heart and tells you to do something, when you, by faith, do it, even in your doubting, step out and say, because you say so, I'm going to do it. I promise that there's reward. Now, you might not catch a week's worth of fish, <laughs> but God's going to do something in your life because he knows what's best. And when you follow him in obedience, you'll bear the fruit of that in your life. So at this point, I just want to pause and give you a chance to hear from God if he's not already speaking to you and just ask, like, what is the next step for you? Like, what's something? What would Jesus be whispering to you like he whispered to Peter? Hey, Peter, let's go fishing. What is God asking you to do? And will you step out and take the next step of faith and obey him in that small thing and see if it doesn't become a big thing? Let me just give you a couple categories. Uh, this might, might or might not help, but might give you a couple categories as you try to hear from God. Maybe Jesus is telling you that there's something that you're pursuing right now that has taken priority over your relationship with God, and Jesus is telling you to stop chasing it. And maybe Jesus is telling you that there's something that you've been hiding from others, a habitual sin or a secret, and he'd be telling you right now that you need to confess it and get help and find freedom by telling someone else. Maybe Jesus is telling you that you need to take the next step of faith as a missionary by knocking on your neighbor's door, visiting your coworker's cubicle, and inviting them out to dinner. Maybe Jesus is telling you that there's someone that you need to forgive from your heart so that the bitterness and the anger can be released. Or maybe Jesus is telling you that there's a relationship that needs to be broken off. Or maybe he's telling that you need to be more than a consumer at, at Midtown Church and commit to serve at a ministry or on a team or commit to join a Midtown community. Or maybe Jesus would be telling you that you need to make more time with him in prayer and worship each day. Maybe Jesus is telling you that he is Lord and Savior and that today should be the day that you put your faith in him and you decide to follow him. Whatever it is, I want you to, to hear God speaking to you this is what it means to follow Jesus. It means just to listen and to do the next small thing that he's asking you to do. And when you do that small thing, big things will come. Would you be willing to say like Peter, just simply, because you said so, I'll do it. Whatever God's speaking to your heart, that's the last part of that sentence for you. Jesus, because you said so, I'll do what you said. Now, not, this is not like health wealth that I'm talking about here. The blessing that you'll get when you actually obey Jesus could be in catching a ton of fish. It could be any number of things. But there's one thing that it's guaranteed to be, and this is the most important part. The number one thing that you're promised when you step out in faith and do the next thing that Jesus speaks to your heart is you're promised to know him better. And that, guys, is the best reward. Like, that is the reward of obedience. His relationship with Jesus changes. That's better than any tangible thing that might come from you doing what he says it's getting closer to him. Let's see how it happened in Peter's life, picking up in verse 8. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. And he called us, all his companions. They were, they were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. So were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. So I just want to point out one thing. Did you catch it? What does he call Jesus now? He's no longer master. He's Lord. 
like in this one experience, this one step of faith, this one way of seeing where he stepped out and God did something in his life, ultimately what came is his relationship with Jesus was changed. He called him Lord. He's not just a master, he's a teacher. He's believing this relationship with Jesus is growing and changing. He believes. And this is what happens when we step out in faith, when we, when we step out in obedience, that we get to experience Jesus and our relationship with him will change. Now, we know if we continue to read the Gospels that Peter's relationship continues to change, that he's, this isn't like a one-time thing for him, but he calls him Lord, and you'll see later he gets more and more revelation as he continues to step out in faith and do the very next thing, the next thing, the next thing. He begins to see that Jesus, he's the first one to call him the Messiah. He's one of the first ones to see him raised from the dead. Go later into the book of Acts, and you see that he's the first one to speak and preach and call people to believe that Jesus had risen from the dead and that Jesus was Lord. Like his relationship continued to grow from this point, but in this one instance, this one act of obedience, stepping out in faith and doing the next thing by saying, because you said so, I'll do it. His relationship with Jesus was changed. I think sometimes we get it wrong. One of the ways I think we get it wrong is we tend to think like, well, what I need to do is I need to learn a lot more about Jesus so that then I'll have faith to obey him. We think that's like the process or the way that it goes. Like I just need to know all about him and then I'll begin to trust him. But I want to tell you that it's really, it's turned the other way around. That really, the way that you're going to know Jesus is take steps of faith and obedience, and that's how you're going to grow in your relationship with him. God has a different way of learning, and it's not just about knowledge. Knowledge does not lead to obedience, but obedience leads to greater knowledge and understanding of who Jesus is. When you step out in faith and do what he's called you to do, that's where your relationship's going to grow. There's also why we don't need to be paralyzed by our questions or our doubts or wait until we have all the right answers until we choose to step out and obey and do the thing that he's called us to do. We don't have to have everything answered. We can be like Peter, going out fishing, doubting that it's going to work, but saying yes anyway. And when you say yes and do it, you're going to experience Jesus in a new way. We do this because Jesus was on the boat with Peter. He was right there with him. You guys know this is true like in other relationships, right? Like in all of your other relationships are like this. Like you don't like, you can't just do like an Enneagram or Myers-Briggs and be like, okay, nailed it. I've got you totally figured out. Like, like this is the way your relationships work. Like now we know perfectly how to relate together because we've taken this test and we've got a piece of paper, right? It doesn't work that way. Like I knew when, when Brynn and I got engaged, like I knew as much about her as I, I knew to say, I'm willing to commit to this. Like, let's, let's do this. But I certainly didn't know all about her, right? So we thought it was actually wise to do premarital counseling, and our church offered it. And uh, they, they started by making us take this really extensive test where you had to answer all these questions. And I would actually recommend this, but I wouldn't recommend the people who did it for us. So don't hear me, don't hear me say that the test is so good. You should do it if you're engaged. Just don't have the people that did ours, because here's what it looked like. They sat there like this and said, Justin, it looks like you answered this on this one. And Brenda, you answered this on this one. Tell me about it. <laughs> and it was just like, are you just trying to cause a fight? Like, this isn't helpful, this, this test. It just doesn't work. Like, but I'll tell you one thing. We continued through the process, and how I actually got to know Brenda better was by planning a wedding together, which was you kind of get to know each other a little bit when you're planning a wedding, right? It's, it's a little bit different than, like, stuff on paper. Like, I learned very quickly that I'm like, give me three choices in three minutes, and I'll make a decision, which is probably why I make a lot of bad decisions and Brenda doesn't. Brenda's like, give me like 40 choices in 40 days, and, and we'll figure it out. Like, I remember actually uh, one of the, the, the craziest things was like how long it took her to decide what kind of font to put on the invitations. And I'm like, why does this matter? It's just font. And so at one point, she got so stressed about 
all the little decisions and stuff that we had to make and how we did, did, did it differently that she finally, we had this like wedding handbook that God gave us a little handbook of steps you're supposed to take. At one point she says, I'm done with that. I don't want to look at this ever again. And she just handed it to me. And I was like, oh, great. Now I get to do it. I think I, I, think I actually have a picture of myself with the handbook. Yeah, so <laughs> was, that was the day that I seized control of the wedding planning. And that's stuff you don't learn from Myers-Briggs, right? You don't. You learn it by actually living life and doing something, aiming to accomplish something together. And that's really what it is when we step out in obedience. When we do the next thing that Jesus is calling us to do, what happens is that we experience relationship with him that changes us and changes our understanding of who he is. And that's the reward of our obedience. God's going to provide other rewards for certain, but we know the most important thing is your relationship with Jesus is going to grow. That's why we're talking about this idea of following. And I want you to know that following is just hearing Jesus' voice and taking the next step. You can't just read your Bible or read the Gospels and read about Jesus like it's a textbook and just try to understand him and then be moved to obey. I'm telling you, when you step out in faith and obey, that's how you're going to get to know him. And it changed Peter in that one instance. When you trust God with small things, he's going to do big things and lead you to big things. So we pick it back up here in these last two verses, in verse 10 and 11. Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats off the shore, left everything and followed him. Get a little bit more of the story here before they actually leave their business, right? Jesus commanded him. He was so afraid. He recognized that he was sinful and he wanted to call Jesus Lord. Jesus so kindly says, don't be afraid, Peter. I've got great plans for you. This one thing I love about Jesus is he can see us where we are, but he sees where he wants to take us. And that's going to be true of all of us. That when he looks at you, he says, hey, here's the next step that I'm putting on your heart today to take. But you know what Jesus also sees? He sees where that's going to lead and where he wants you to go. And I'll say for all of us in here, Jesus wants to make us all fishers of men. Like he wants to use your life to impact other people's lives for eternity. For all of us. And the way that you grow in your impact of others for eternity, the way that you become a fisher of men is by taking that next step of obedience today and the next step of obedience tomorrow. As you continue to trust him and your faith grows and your understanding of him grows because your relationship deepens, you'll start to impact more and more people. That's what Jesus wants for your life. That's what you want for your life. Maybe you can think again of that person if you had anyone come to mind when I started the illustration about like who is someone where you heard their story or some like tremendous sacrifice that they've made or the way that they followed Jesus that maybe either brought guilt or inspiration in your life. Like think about that person and know that that can be you. But it starts by taking your daily next step of the things that God's putting on your heart to do right now. Jesus wants us all to be fishers of men and some of us are gonna be called like Shay and we're gonna go to Vietnam. Some of us are gonna be like the inches, and they're going to go to Long Island. Some of you just graduated, and you're, you're on the step of something new to a new group of people in your new workplace, your new neighborhoods that God's called you to. And a lot of us are going to stay here in Austin, and God wants to make us fishers of men where we live, work, and play in this city. And the way that we're going to grow to have more and more impact on the people around us where we live, work, and play is by taking the next step of obedience today, the thing that God will call you to do today. Imagine how your life could be used to impact other people. Imagine yourself down the road of being what Jesus would call a fisher of men, that your life is actually impacting men and women all around you, 
that God uses you to actually call other people to follow Jesus with you. That's what God wants for all of us. But it starts by our simple obedience today to the things that God's put on your heart. Just an application, I'll make just a few closing comments. It's pretty simple. I think I've said it a million times already, but what do y'all want you to do? Like I said at the start, like this isn't going to be one application for everyone, except the application is listen to Jesus and do what he's called you to do. Take the next step of obedience. Whatever it is, whatever Jesus spoke to your heart, do it. Your relationship with him will grow. That's what I want you to do. What I want you to believe is I want you to believe that following Jesus is not an all or nothing, one-time decision. That really following Jesus means individually obeying Jesus day and daily life decisions. You continue to grow in your faith by taking step after step after step of faith. And then what I really want you to know is that when you obey Jesus in the little things, you get to know him. You don't have to know him perfectly to obey him. You can obey him today, and that's actually how you're going to get to know him. You know him by walking faithfully in obedience to him. You know why? Because Jesus isn't telling you to do whatever he's told you to do because he wants obedience. He's not telling you to do it because he's a, a demanding God. He's telling you to do what he's telling you to do because he wants a relationship with you. He knows that's the reward. And what he's asking you to do is not just to be obedient because I said so. He's saying, like he'd say to Peter, I want to go fishing with you. This thing that I'm asking you to do, I want to do it with you. I want to be in a relationship with you. And I'm, I know that if you will take this step of obedience, whatever it is for you, your relationship with me is going to grow. And, and that's what I most want. That's the promise. That's the reward is relationship with him. I'd like to close by going back to the very fast-paced uh, Mark, the way that he summarized the story. The way that he summarized that last statement that Jesus said is in Mark. It says, and Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I really like the part that I will make <laughs> because I don't want you to leave here today thinking like, oh, I've, I've got this high demand or I've got to go do this and this and this to prove something. No, Jesus is the one who has to do it in you and through you. You have to walk with him in obedience. He's with you and he wants to fill you and you can't do whatever it is that he put on your heart to do in your own strength. You need him, just like Jesus needed to be in the boat to catch the fish. Jesus needs to be walking with you as you do your next step of faith. And the invitation as we take communion would be to remember that. To remember as we take communion that we can't do whatever it is we've, God's put on your heart on your own strength. You have to rely on him. You have to be filled with his spirit. And the way that you can be filled is only because Jesus has already died for you. His death and his resurrection that we take in remembrance of him, his blood and his, and his body being broken for us. That's a reminder to us that he has made a way to fill us with the spirit that we can walk in step with him and become fishers of men. As we take communion, I want you to reflect on that. I'm really excited, too, about the songs that we're about to sing. Got to hear the, the, the worship band um, during rehearsal here this morning. There's some great songs that the lyrics, I believe, can inspire us to, to set these truths home. And so I'd, I would urge you just to sing them with all your heart. Let this last time of communion and sing these songs be an expression of your commitment to take the next step of faith and to call Jesus worthy of that. Because you said so, I will. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you love us where we are. And even in this room, we're all at different places spiritually. And you've spoken a word and you still speak today. 
pray that we would take the next step of faith, whatever it is, that we would be willing, that you give us courage to say, like, like Peter, because you said so, I will. And as we do, God, just show us how great you are. Deepen our relationship with you. It fills us with joy. Reveal yourself anew to us today, God, that we can grow to trust you even more. Give us a great time of worship here as we close. Speak to us and hear our praises. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this ministry has blessed you. If you would like to support this ministry, you can donate at midtownaustin.org.